Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome, great to have you with us here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, Fourth Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, great pre-owned inventory, fabulous service department. Great sales staff, too. Great deals to be had all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Football practice continues. Basketball in their 12-hour-a-week regiment right now, and they get to go to 20 hours, a full preseason beginning next Wednesday, the 14th. I had an opportunity to talk with Penn State basketball coach Patrick Chambers about his t- and the possibility of a schedule. My friend, I've missed you. Well, I missed our conversations. I missed our talks the CBT, all that good stuff. So it's, it's nice to chat with you again. All right. So let's get to it. This is this is an interesting team because I don't think a lot of people realize that through your recruiting and a little selected red shirting and so forth, you're still an older team. How much does that mean that Penn State remains an older team? I think you, you would agree, and in history hopefully repeats itself, when we're older, we're more successful. Uh, hence, last year... Uh, we had such a great year, and we had an older group. We had seniors and, and juniors play, you know, a good portion of the minutes with a, you know, our sophomores sprinkled in. Now those great guards that were sophomores are now juniors. Uh, Myrian Jones, Miles Dredd, Brockington. I mean, to to me, that's exciting. And and you know, Seth Lundy uh, understanding starting late January, and then understanding what he needs to do to stay on the floor. Uh, and obviously the constants are John and, and, and Jamari, and, and now you're going to get to see Trent Buttrick. I'm sure people have been wondering about Trent Buttrick. You know, he sat behind Lamar Stevens for three years. So I, I, I'm excited about the uh, – when, when Lamar – let me put it this way. When Lamar was in foul trouble, you saw that group play. And not only did we play well, we extended the lead. I'll take you to Purdue on the road, Steve. I mean, we, we really played well with that with that group. No no question about it. Not only that, when I've watched Trent Buttrick in practice, Patrick, something I've noticed right away, he gives you something at three different positions. Is that a fair assessment? Definitely. And my, my focus this year is going to be really uh, the small forward and the, the I'll say the, the uh, shooting five. Right, the the, the the pick and pop five, the small five, um, but he's he's about two forty, so he's not really small. I mean, he's really worked hard. Even during this pandemic, he has worked hard. He's put some really uh, good weight on, good muscle on, uh, and he can. He's an elite shooter. He's an excellent three point shooter. So hopefully he has the breakout season that we think he could have. My Jones looks like he put on a little bit of, of, of weight, but I'm talking about good weight up up top. I mean, is that a good assessment? Is that the right thing? Yeah, Steve, I would agree. I, I thought MJ, again, despite everything we went through, think about this. We brought these guys back June, June 20th. They sacrificed. They remained disciplined. were very healthy. But because they were sacrificed, 
he's able to get bigger. He's able to get stronger during that month of July and a little bit of August and then come back and just keep it going. So you're, you're correct. His shoulders, his upper body looks so much better. And I, that's really going to help him get downhill this year and get some valuable points in the paint because we're going to need points in the paint. we got excellent shooters, but now, you know, Lamar Stevens gave us that, you know, the guy who could post up, the guy who could get us to the free throw line, who could get us a two, even Mike for that matter. Uh, but Myron's going to have to do a little bit more getting downhill. Taylor Battle joins the staff. Uh, what do you like about the addition? What really uh, swung you to say, you know what, he is going to be a benefit to Penn State basketball moving forward? Character and integrity. Right there. Uh, he, he's a, he, Him and I, we struck up a relationship quickly on my tenure here. We kept that relationship. Even when he played overseas, he's texting me, uh, watching the team play. He, he loves Penn State. Uh, but what he brings is that character, that integrity, that mentorship that I'm looking for for our players and our future Nittany Lions. I think that's really important. And, and to me, he's a winner. He's an absolute winner. And, you know, the last few weeks he's been incredibly humble, just being an excellent listener, trying to take everything in. Um, and, and he knows it's going to take time uh, to become the assistant coach he wants to be. And then the last thing I would tell you, is I, I thought the Morgan Stanley background was huge because you're able to get great um, training for, from a company like Morgan Stanley. I, I just felt like if he's able to do that, he'll be able to do this and bring that training with him. There's also one other part, and you're probably not going to be asked about this, but I'll ask it. It's the continuity of Jim Ferry and, and Keith Ergo, who's been there since day one. What does that continue to mean in the staff that will help Taylor, but also continues to help you in the program? You know, I'll, I'll start with me first. It's trust. I would add Ross Condon to that, Nick Colella. I, I would say trust. Um, these are guys that I trust. They're, they're, uh, we all have our, the same messaging, maybe in a different style, which is healthy and therapeutic. They're not yes men. They're going to challenge. Uh, they're going to challenge me every single day to make me better, to make me think a little bit differently on how to do things. I thought it was one of our best years. I would say the last few years, uh, we, we've done a really good job coaching and putting our team and our players in the right position to be successful. So for me, it's that trust and that love and that that connection that we have. And for Taylor, you're learning from Keith Ergo, who is the best recruiter in the country, hands down. You know, it, it drives me nuts, Steve, when we have this conversation when they say, oh, the guy at Kentucky is a great assistant. The guy at North Carolina is a great assistant. The guy at Duke's a great You know, recruit to Penn State, where we started, Steve, where we started and where we are today. So Taylor's going to be able to really learn a lot from Keith, uh, from Keith Ergo, and he's our defensive coordinator. So on that side of the ball, it's invaluable. And then Coach Ferry's had 30 years' experience, and he's more of our OC, our offensive coordinator, so he's going to learn a lot from Jimmy about the nuances of the game and in-game adjustments and what we're trying to do in practice and why we've been so successful averaging – what, uh, three years ago, close to 75, uh, two years ago, 70, and then last year, close to 75, and smashed the three-point record for, uh, for tw- uh, made three-pointers by 25. So I-, I think I just gave you a couple of guys, and then Ross, when it comes to the compliance um, you know, information that he really you know, has to learn, uh, Ross is invaluable with that, re- that regard, compliance and the academic piece. 
The other part, too, is you talked about stats. Here's a stat. You've won 61 games over the last three years, and you have a lot of players in this program that were a big part of, if not most of, almost all of those 61 wins. What does that mean for messaging in the locker room, but also their leadership for the younger players to understand what they're trying to do and continue to push forward? Yeah, we we have the experience um, right now with seven guys, uh, and I'll throw Steph Lundy in there, um, experience, shared experiences, been through the battles, been through the good times, been through the bad times. Uh, understanding that, learning from those games, learning from practice, learning from film. Uh, I think our leadership council is fantastic. John, Jamari, MJ, Miles, and Trent. I think we get different perspectives um, about the team, about what's going on in our country. Um, it, it's been great for me. I, I've been become a, a, just a guy who's listening and learning to, to be the best coach and leader I can be. So I, I'm excited about this group. Um, but I do believe they have unfinished business, and that's something we've talked about already. And uh, a word I'm going to use a lot this year, Steve, is attack. Um, I, I don't know if we attacked those last five or six games. I, don't, I think we had a bad taste in our mouth about how we finished the season. But I think you would agree, going into the Big Ten, we were fresh, we were re-energized. But I think we can learn a lot from being you know, hunted. We were being hunted as opposed to the hunters. So I think we're, that word is going to be attacked knowing that we have unfinished business and, and go out and try to be the What's really helped you is that because you've increased depth in the program, you can actually put practices together that in some ways really make the games at times will seem a little easier for them. Iron sharpens iron, so what does Sam Sessom's just being out there do for Jamari Wheeler? Uh, Steve, you're going to love this kid. Um, and I don't want to put a lot of pressure on him. And there's a few guards, and you know I've coached some great, great guards from my Villanova days, my Boston U days, to, to Timmy Frazier, and, and all the great guard Tony Carr, all the great guard DJ Newbill. Sam is up there with the DJ Newbill mentality and, and toughness, uh, with with the skill of a Tony Carr. Now he's only about six feet, and, and that's where he, you know, that would be the thing. I would say Tony was six five, DJ was six four, but this kid is a magician with the ball. Excellent off a ball screen, an elite finisher, and a much better three-point shooter than I even realized. So when we're in practice, he's a three-level guy, and it's very difficult to defend him in a ball screen because he's making all the right decisions. Uh, he's been coached very well. All right, so now you've had the opportunity to see uh, your freshman uh, in July and work with them. Then you know some on the floor, some in film, and so forth. So, what's your initial read on what you see with this freshman class? I think everybody's going to love um, Caleb. They're going to love them all, but Caleb because he can play one through five, and I mean that he's got uh, the skills of a guard. Uh, even, dare I even say a point guard? He can come off ball screens, and he's every bit of six eight, two twenty, two fifteen. So that excites me, and the fact that he is uh, so versatile that he can defend a five, and he can rebound like a five, and he's very capable from three, and he's an excellent decision maker. So that, that for the growth of Penn State basketball and the vision and, and our future is, is exciting. Um, DJ Gordon out of Pittsburgh, he's got that edge, he's got that chip that Penn Stater is going to love. He is a fierce fierce competitor uh, again uh, shooting the ball much better than I anticipated I, I thought maybe he was uh, capable maybe streaky 
but he's been more consistent, um, and, and he's been really doing a good job in the weight room. Uh, and he's every bit of six six. He's every bit of six six. So you know, when you think of Iao from Illinois, I, I think we have somebody that can keep Iao in front with his length. Defender. Dalian Johnson reminds me of M- MJ as a freshman. Not that he's not going to play, but this kid can flat out score the basketball. He's got an amazing floater, and he, obviously, for the year in New England, he hit a ton of threes. He's a high level shooter, high level shooter. So, and then the one uh, that we haven't really talked about, and I, I'm going to throw him in the freshman class as Abdu. Um, we, we are fortunate and blessed. This is a seven foot two wingspan with the first and second jump of Mike Watkins. Uh, shot blocker, altering shots, Steve, an excellent rebounder, kind of tipping it to himself like Mike used to, uh, really springy. And he's just got to learn the game a little bit more. But, man, he's put on some weight. Uh, if you're watching practice on, on key motion, you're, you're going to see a guy that you know, the summer has really benefited him in the fall here. Uh, and then I want to just throw in Pat Kelly. We haven't talked about him. He redshirt right. last year. He sprouted up to 6'9", Steve. Wait till you see this kid. He's put on the 15, 20 pounds that you should when you're sitting out. And he's shooting at a high level as well. So everything, I think if you're listening intently here, we have a ton of shooters. We have a ton of shooters. We just need some downhill guys and a couple of post-up guys. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping Steph Lundy can do that for us. I'm hoping Big Johnny and Trent can fill some, some void. And by the way, one note on Abdu, I mean, he runs the floor too. I mean, runs the floor. Steve, thanks for saying that. So you've definitely been watching. Yeah. I, I would tell you, I challenged that dude the other day, just an up and back, just a court and, uh, down to the end line and back to, to get up front with Dalian. Dalian's got great speed. Yeah. And he was right there, neck and neck. So, again, you're going to see a Penn State team that's going to be a high-powered offensive team, and we are going to push pace fast to slow as much as we can and I look for us to score in that 72 to 75 range again. Finally, what where do things stand with a schedule? Because obviously everyone found out, okay, you can play November 25th. Everyone found out you can have 27 games. How much of a scramble has this been for people across the board just to assemble a schedule? Yeah, it, it, scramble's a good word because we don't want to curse on, on radio here, Steve. But uh, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> scrambles is, is perfect. Thank you. Um, I, I would say it's been a scramble. But, you know, Ross and I are working closely. We're working closely with the Big Ten. I'm working extremely closely with Sandy and Lynn uh, about trying to put this vicious uh, puzzle, uh, the pieces of this puzzle together. Uh, I'm encouraged. I think we're around that 20 mark. Uh, I believe we're around that 20 mark, but it could change. Everything's very fluid depending on how, how things go with football and how the testing goes. And other conferences going to test like we are testing. Uh, and that's important, too, to the Big Ten and the presidents and obviously Kevin Warren. So, you know, it's got to match up. So it, it could be 20. Who knows? could be 22. I don't think so. Um, non-conference, we're still trying to fight for that NTE. Uh, and, and then we had some good games lined up that we're going to have to figure out a little bit because you really want to get teams that have a bus ride. So we're going to have to look in-state. There's plenty of teams in Philly. There's some teams in Pittsburgh, and there's some teams in the middle. So uh, we're, we're, we're working hard on the phone um, to, to fulfill a, a really good schedule for our guys. But I think we're headed in the right direction. I, I don't, I don't want to be uh, negative or condescending. I think we're headed in the right direction. And I think this will all work out. But it all depends on the testing and the medical experts 
we're going to listen to them because health and safety is number one. And you're, you're, so far, your players have been diligent about this. How, po- how important is it going to be them going forward, the personal responsibility of doing everything they can to make sure they stay on track? I'm, I'm knocking on wood, and I would appreciate if everybody out there, including yourself, Steve, would knock on some wood. Our guys have done an amazing job of being sacrificed, or, or I'm sorry, sacrificing and being disciplined. Um, no cases as of, as of today. Uh, obviously, that can change. Everything's very fluid. Uh, but they're taking this very serious. They're masking up. They're washing hands. They're staying six feet away for the most part. Uh, but there could be a situation, you know, that's out of their control. You just never know. Uh, but up to this date, they have done everything we have asked them to do. Low risk, situ- uh, low risk situations, staying here, and uh, you know, really focused on getting better and wanting to have a season. And that's what it's all about. Patrick Chambers, always a pleasure spending any time with you, my friend. Mr. Jones, I missed you, buddy. I, I just want to mention one thing. Uh, as far as the social injustice, our guys are so unified. Uh, they were part of the peaceful pro- protest uh, this past weekend. Uh, obviously, they've done an amazing job. Miles and Sam, he's part of the coalition. And we're listening to our guys. We're listening to our families. We're meeting often. And, and I'm proud of what we are doing as a, as a program. And I'm proud of what we're doing as a university. And Sandy's leading that charge. So I just wanted to make sure I said that. Listening and learning is so important. Thank you so much, Patrick. Appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Have a great day. Penn State basketball coach Patrick Chambers. We'll come back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Uh, Neil Kulong in a few moments, the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer at 406, and then we'll go to Nashville and get an update on the uh, Tennessee Titans. Another full show today. Bill Hillgrove tomorrow. Uh, tentatively, we've got John McClain of the Houston Chronicle tomorrow. High school football roundtable coming up on Thursday, the King on Friday. A full week. Update on the Marlins and the Braves in Houston. Bottom of the fourth inning. Braves are threatening. Uh, And the Marlins lead it 4-3 in the bottom of the fourth. Ronald Acuna Jr. has homered in that game for Atlanta. And then he got hit by a pitch the next time up and walked with the bat toward the Marlins' dugout. That was an interesting move. Is there any the Marlins dugouts on the third base side? All right. <laughs> so let's get to it. Let's go down to Augusta National where he just finished up a round because he's he's that connected with the members. That is Neil Kulong. Neil, welcome. Great to have you with us. It's great to be here. I guarantee you the weather is better here than uh, than wherever you guys are. We're, <laughs> we're celebrating here in Classic Augusta style. I'm not surprised, and congratulations on the green jacket. I know you bought it, but it still looks stylish. <laughs> it does. At least it fits this year. I was able to, to <laughs> cut a few pounds. You know, the one I won a couple of years ago was uh, 
yeah, it was real. It was tight. I didn't like those pictures. I needed to. Uh, I needed to get some new film. Yeah, I didn't. So want I've got to, that now. Thank you for noticing. Yeah, I didn't want to say anything about it before. All right. So, <laughs> uh, so are they allowed now to sell seventy five hundred terrible towels? You know, I, I kind of hope that they do. They they have apparently it's it's two thousand people that they need to block off um, for for the sake of personnel. Um, stadium employees, everything like that. They're they're going to sell fifty five hundred tickets. Okay. Um, I personally wouldn't care if everybody had a terrible towel. I think that'll be a, a welcome sight just for the aesthetic value of it. I don't know if you watched last night's game or not, but that wasn't a game at, at Lambeau Field. No, no it just wasn't no, the same. Nobody was there. It, yeah, it's just not it, the the fun isn't there. You know, and I understand why. I'm not going to get into that. Sure. I get why there there are things that we just can't do, but um, to some degree, I think it'll be nice to to see. Uh, you know, some fans in there provided everybody's safe and everybody's doing the things they're supposed to do. Um, you, you get a little bit of that when you watch games in Kansas City. Now, normally, uh, Chiefs games are tough for me just because there's so much red on the field. The photos always come back looking really strange. Yeah. That's what I think of when I see Arrowhead Field. But outside of that, it's loud, it's crazy. They have probably the best fan environment in the NFL. Uh, it, putting all that together, it feels like it's football when we're watching the Chiefs on, and they only have, I think, like 16,000 fans. So um, that can make something of an impact. I think that the Steelers having 5,500 um, in a much smaller venue than Arrowhead is, I, I think we'll notice the difference, and we'll definitely be able to see something other than you know what kind of looks like a, a practice in some cases. Well, for example, I'll give you an example. Iowa State, uh, Oklahoma the other night, they had fans at Ames. You know, I, you know, it may have been it may have been twenty thousand or whatever the number was, but they you know because they were beating Oklahoma, they signed like two hundred thousand. Exactly, you get them going, and you you see where home field advantage kind of comes from. I mean, you look at, at betting lines; they seem to have kind of stuck with uh, home favorites to this point. But it makes you wonder how big of an advantage is that going to be as the year goes on, and it it might not be a, a statistical or a mathematical thing. It could just simply be the aesthetic value. You know, we're watching this. We feel like the game is much more intense. That the crowd is making something of a difference. Um, perhaps not on on penalties and things like that, but you're getting a, a sense that this could get in the head of you know defender of offensive players uh, when when their team is playing on the road. It, it feels like it could be a factor. And I wonder if that's not gonna affect things in in easily the most bizarre season that uh, that we've seen to date. All right. Uh- so the bye week. Uh, well, before I get to the bye week, uh, have the players? Now, I realize they haven't had a chance to really react to this, but have they talked about what it would mean to them to at least see some people out there? Uh, we haven't heard anything yet. I'd imagine. Um, I, I call it a hunch. I'll bet they put out kind of the veteran spokespeople uh, right. after practice tomorrow, uh, simply to weigh in on that. There's going to be a lot of uh, Steeler Nation Unite material. You're going to get Joe Hayden out there. You're going to get that out there. Uh, you're going to have the, the rah-rah fans are awesome. You're the best uh, type of speech sure. going into it. And it, you know, any business would, would do something along those lines in, in that situation. So um, I, I would imagine, though, to some degree, 
all players are going to want to play in front of fans at, sure. at some point. I don't think that they're really going to have the same type of motivation over an extended period of time without anybody there screaming, without the noise, without the excitement. That's a big part of it. Now, you, you watch you know, Green Bay yesterday. It was kind of crazy seeing the tight end I catch know. 19 touchdown passes, and he's going absolutely nuts after every single one. I think he dented the turf, spiking yeah. the ball after the second one. He was fired up, but it's like you could hear him so loudly with nobody else yelling. Yeah. It, it, the, the feel of it was just kind of weird. Um, a guy like that, eventually, he's going to want to perform in front of a larger audience. You know, he's yeah. ready to go, and, and they're they're kicking butt right now. So, I think players do react to that to some degree. Um, a lot of them are very focused. They're they're much more chill, so they're not going to you know really go out of the way to say the fans are are a huge impact on our game. But I think everybody to some degree uh, wants that. You know the the, the excitement value uh, return to the game if and when it, it's safe to do so. I'll say this: it was not last night, but it was the the previous Lambo game they played. It may have been Aaron Jones, but he did the Lambo leap and <laughs> sat up on top, and that was it. <laughs> That's celebration now. Sorry. Sorry. How it turned <laughs> out? They've gotten more creative because of that. You got to give them that at least. They're they're uh, they're making. They're making the best of the situation. I got a kick out of uh, Juju. I think when Deontay Johnson scored a touchdown, Juju jumped into the stands, acted like a fan, got the ball, and he's yelling and screaming. It, it, it adds a little bit of excitement um, yeah. just in kind of thinking what they're going to do you know, with the, the life props that are behind them. Um, I'm not sure how much further it will go, but uh, football has been good. I just I, I miss the excitement of it. I miss sure. the buzz of the stadium, you know, that the – the, the not meaningless but sort of innocuous second down play going for a yard and the home team absolutely freaking out over it. I, I miss that. It's, it seems like that's uh, culturally significant to the game nowadays. All right, so the bye week. Uh, I mean, the bye week was unexpected, but they had to go through it. Um, what are you interested to see on Sunday based on the fact that they had a week off? Well, one issue that I had with it, and let's just accept the fact that it it unfolded the way that it did. The one issue that I have is that's usually time that you get with those open practices, meaning you're not playing that weekend. They know they're all going to be off for four days. You have a couple open-ended practices. Uh, before they they break camp for a couple days. That's when you're really working with the rookies. You're really trying to to get after the guys to develop. You're going to give your veterans a little bit more of a break. Um, I'm not sure how much they were able to get that in. Um, and I'm, I'm positive Mike Tomlin's not going to comment on that specifically. But I, I you know, I want to see uh, Claypool develop more as a, a multiple target a game guy. I think they want him to do that as well. They have a good cadre of receivers. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just think that Claypool is going to give them uh, a deep factor that you know James Washington can as well. But when you're six four and you run like a deer down the field, that that's something a defense has to pay attention to. And if he is going to get good enough at another route that he can sell something to get outside, get down the field, occupy a safety, that's dangerous. You know, nothing against James Washington. I don't think he's a pure split end the way that Claypool is. Right. I would hope uh, Claypool would have an opportunity to work on a hard slant, um, to work on a curl, it, other types of things that he can do to contribute to put into a defensive back's head. He's not just a one trick pony. There are other things that he's able to do. A guy, especially when Claypool has a, a kind of an, a weird truncated training camp, um, no rookie mini camp. There isn't a whole lot of, of uh, real on-the-field instruction that he's gotten to this point, and considering his development as a player, 
I would have really thought the team was excited to get him into a bye week and really work him at, at the midway point of the season. The fact that was taken away, as as Coach Tomlin said, you know, it, we do not care. You know, that that's not anything they can do about. Uh, there's nothing they can do about it publicly. I think internally, though, they really would have liked time to develop. Um, an, an intriguing rookie class. And I think players that they're going to need eventually. They, they needed, uh, you know, one of them already, Kevin Dotson, to, to step up and, and play uh, much earlier, I thought, than, than what they would have wanted him to. There are other guys I think they'd like to get a lot of work in, uh, specific targeted work, and I'm not sure they have uh, the opportunity now to do that in the middle of the season. Well, uh, yeah, when you look at the fact they're going to have to play 13th straight, Mike Tomlin said, I don't care. Uh, how important is it that, that he does take that attitude? Because obviously there are there will be a segment of people out there who are not coaching that will overthink it. <laughs> and he's like, ah, don't know. We got to play. We play. I, I think that's. The... <laughs> I don't think he has a choice but to say that. Whether he actually does care or not, I, I believe him when he says that. I think he's the, the least um, in tune to those types of details, Coach, you're going to find. It really doesn't matter to him. I, he, he stresses adversity. He stresses competition when you're down, responding to the challenges that you have. Uh, I think those types of things bring that out of him. And I, the, the situation they're in, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. Let's embrace it and let's get better because of it. Um, they're going to be on the field a lot more than other teams are. There are other teams that will have a break, you know, and obviously I think most players would like a break, certainly not when sure. um, they're not aware that their bye week starts an hour after practice ends. They didn't know that. They were already in there. <laughs> what, what did Mike say? They're, they're already into their work on yeah. Thursday. It's right. like, well, your practice was at one thirty. You, <laughs> you found out about it at 9. Yeah. You, you weren't really in your work so much. He got an extra practice out of them. Um, that that may be a difference. You know, who knows? Yeah. It, it's it's one practice, but they might get more work on the field. And, and knowing, you know, any coach that that's involved uh, coming up with a game plan and responsible for the health of the players that he's overseeing, he's going to be aware of what the stakes are. Sure. You know, I, I don't think he's going to go all out all the time. He's not going to beat his team down. I mean, the, the game was played more like that 20 years ago than it is now, but he'll give them adequate time to, to rest and recuperate, but he's not going to let them wallow in the idea that other people get a little bit more than they do. They're, they're going to come together and, and you know be the team that they're supposed to be, because uh, that's the way he coaches. I, I think he's sending the right message. It's the obvious message. Um, it, it's what they need to do. You know, If, if they're going to win anything, um, they're going to have to beat a lot of good teams anyway, and they're not going to be able to sure. do it on a ton of rest. That that's football. You know, you're going to be beat up in week 15 anyway. So um, roll out the ball and and you know smack some helmets, see what you can do. I've always since Belichick was really the same way. Like, hey, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? And no, it's that we're going to go play, and you can't play. Then fine, I'll get somebody else to play. I absolutely died yesterday when they showed him wearing two masks. That, that is the most that is the most Belichick troll move you're ever going to see. It's, it's just perfect. It's like True. I should have thought he was going to do that. He's, he's going to be so <laughs> tired of the details right. that he has to hear from the league. He's just going to overdo it completely. Like you know, it, it's, it comes from the same vein as as when he would list Tom Brady 
Um, on the injury report every week is probable with the shoulder. (laughs) You know, it's it's just it's nonsense that he puts together to to mock the 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 authority. I've always appreciated that about him. I thought it was kind of a clever little deal, and if he was comfortable wearing two masks during a game, um, you know, it, it, it almost seems like he probably should have had two or three for his quarterback and not put him in the game at all. But right. that's, uh, that's another story. But a note on quarterback, the play with Mahomes. Uh, people question, why didn't Belichick challenge it? Belichick knows the rules. That's not a challengeable play. That's why he didn't challenge it. I mean, say, I mean, he's on top of what's going on out there. He knows that's not. He didn't have to have an official explain to him that you can't challenge it. He already knew you couldn't challenge it. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this: as far as NFL coaches go and their their knowledge of the rules, the ins and outs of it, two guys I'm never going to question their decisions and, and their actions, their reactions to things. To, to things, John Harbaugh and mm-hmm. Bill Belichick. Yes, and yeah. I think Harbaugh steals it from Belichick. Yeah. <laughs> Belichick knows. He knows the game better than the officials do, and I think the officials are aware of that as well. That's why he's able to kind of, you know, lead and persuade certain things. Um, yeah, absolutely, it wasn't a challengeable play. Um, right. Things like that happen. It was a blown call, a yeah. really bad time for a blown call. But yep. let's not act as if we expect the season to to be free of this. Or if we do, then fine. But it's not going to happen. Replay isn't going to fix that either. Um, the NFL, and we've talked about this a bunch, but the NFL has an annoying habit of looking at these things and then next year deciding we're going to make this into a rule. Yeah. So then it becomes a rule and it addresses every other situation that comes with that except for the one that it was meant to. So yeah. to me, that that's what would happen in that situation if you wanted to put another rule on it. Belichick, I'm sure, is fuming that over it. He's been on the competition committee. Right. JFK was in office, so I'm not even sure <laughs> if, if, if he doesn't have that kind of pull. But I, I, I can't imagine they're going to do anything other than just say, you know, it's a blown call. You know, if we need to yeah. do something about the official, let's do that. But we got to move on. I mean, you, you can't get into this. Otherwise, we're going to start challenging pass interference right. calls again. Exactly. I don't think that worked out real well. Very quickly, I'll ask one final question. Best baseball manager I ever saw with rules, believe it or not, of all people, was Billy Martin. I thought Billy, <laughs> I thought Billy Martin knew every single rule conceivable. All right. Now, could he control himself? On and off the field, no, he could not. He had, you know, but when it came to knowing the rules, Billy Martin, I'd sit there and go, "That's a rule," and he like, you know, and, and the umpire would look at him, "Is that a rule?" <laughs> it's like, I never liked that response. Are you sure? <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> what, what about the matchup with the Eagles coming up? If you're Bud Dupree, Cam Hayward, and T.J. Watt, how excited are you this week? Well, they, they should have a game. I mean, it, it, Philadelphia, I'm not sure what exactly has happened to them. It, it's not all on Carson Wentz. It's not completely on their protection. It's not on playmakers not always making plays. There are a bunch of things that are going wrong with that team. Um, the fact that they pulled that game out on Sunday was remarkable to me. I didn't yeah. think that, uh, uh, that that shouldn't have happened for a variety of reasons. But it's just yet another example of an amazingly poor uh, quarterbacking performance across yes. all primetime yes. games. <laughs> it was really remarkable that all of them got put together the way that they did. Yeah. Uh, Philadelphia is not a strong team based on what we've seen through their, their first uh, four games. Um, but you, you know that the talent is there. You know that they're capable of doing it. Um, let's see how healthy they are. You know, We're not sure what version of Lane Johnson we're going to get, if that's right. the case. 
T.J. Watt, who's already probably the best defensive player in football, he's going to have a game. Um, that's only going to accentuate what a guy like Cam Hayward or Bud Dupree are able to do. Uh, Pittsburgh, obviously, is a very good defensive team. They're going to play at home after a bye week, kind of, and uh, Philadelphia probably should be the, the touchdown underdogs that they are. Uh, but the talent's there. I don't necessarily think that the Steelers' offense is at a point that they're able to choke out an opponent, uh, even with a defense that's as good as they are. If they continue to play, I don't want to say small ball, but if they're playing to not turn the ball over, not give up sacks, not give up field position, it'll be a tighter game that the Steelers can control throughout. And, and if and when uh, they get the eventual takeaway or two, um, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll roll to a win. But I, I think it's going to be fairly competitive, but it, for whatever Philadelphia's problems are, uh, playing at Pittsburgh, after playing at San Francisco is not going to help them. All right. Uh, I'll meet you over at the practice putting green. Appreciate it. <laughs> Definitely. We'll be there. Thanks for having me. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, bad news for the Eagles. Did you see that? Actually, I didn't yet. I'm working on other things here. No, no. It's, I mean, they're going to let fans into the games. (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering if they were going to because I know the city of Philadelphia had their own own, uh, leftovers there, but... You had me going there for a second. You really did. I was like, "Who's you injured to, now?" You have to. You have to have the ability to get do the setup. Right? You the do that setup quite is, well, my friend. The setup is key. Right? The setup is key. Oh. <laughs> oh. We have Mark Vandermeer next half hour. Then we're going to get a, one of the reporters for the Tennessee Titans. In the final half hour. Tomorrow, Bill Hillgrove at 3.20. We tentatively have John McClain set for 4.06 in the Houston Chronicle. It's going to depend on how things are playing out down there. And also our high school football roundtable is tomorrow at 3.35. Same cast uh, for the high school roundtable? Correct. It's a Tuesday. It's a Tuesday. Obviously, it's... It's now gotten to the point where, for example, Auburn will not allow anyone to wear the headgear except for the mascot. Thus, Lee Corso can't wear the Auburn headgear. So now he keeps picking against them. Are we right now in the same mode with the suit? 
We may be. I don't know. If he can't be the main attraction, he won't show up.